Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. Welcome back to the Impact Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer McClure. And my goal is to equip you with tools, tips, and resources that will help you create maximum impact at work and in life so you can build a career that you love and live a life that matters. Today, I've got something fun and informative to share with you. By far, the most frequently asked question that I get is, how do I become a speaker or some version of that question? And while I've written blog posts on this subject, been interviewed on other people's podcasts, and shared about the beginnings of my own journey as a professional speaker in episode seven of this podcast, there's always more to learn, and everyone is at a different place in their speaking career. So I don't think I've run out of things to say on the subject. Recently, a good friend of mine, Bruce Waller, reached out to me and asked if he could schedule a call to talk about speaking specifically about how to choose speaking topics and ideas for creating great presentations and slide decks. And do you know what the best part of Bruce's email request was? He asked me not only to share my availability for this type of call, but also my fee for one hour of coaching. Did you get that? Bruce not only asked for some of my time, he acknowledged that what I could offer is of value and made it clear that he expected to pay for my time. You can bet in an inbox full of requests, one like that shoots to the top of the priority list. And it's a great takeaway for all of us to remember when asking for someone's time or coaching. So I was honored that Bruce would ask for my help and also willing to pay for my time. But I had a better idea, or at least I thought it was a better idea. I asked him if he'd be willing to allow me to record our conversation and share it with you on the Impact Makers podcast. And because it can likely help many people who are either interested in improving their speaking skills as a part of their current job or who are interested in developing a speaking business as a side hustle or maybe even a full-time occupation, he agreed and you'll have the opportunity to learn right along with him in this coaching session. He really asked some great questions and it was also a lot of fun. But before we jump into the conversation with Bruce, I want to give a quick shout out to King University, whose support makes this podcast possible. King is proud to offer 16 online degrees with accelerated programs and affordable tuition so you can start a new career faster than ever. You can choose from programs in technology, communication, and business, like an online MBA with six concentrations, including human resource management. And because the program is offered fully online, you can earn your degree on your own schedule in as little as 16 months. To learn more, visit online.king.edu forward slash impact makers to learn more about the King difference today. So who is Bruce Waller? Bruce is the Vice President of Corporate Relocation at Armstrong Relocation and Companies in Dallas, Texas. He's passionate about helping companies move their most trusted asset, their people, by helping HR professionals relocate talent across the U.S. and abroad. He's also a very active networker and volunteer who currently serves as the Texas Sherm District Director as a trustee for Dallas HR, and he served on the North Texas Relocation Professionals Board of Directors since 2009. Bruce is the author of two books, Mile Markers, A Five-Year Journey, which is a book designed to help you record an amazing collection of special moments so you can share them with others, and Find Your Lane, which is an inspirational book filled with leadership lessons to help encourage you on your journey. Find Your Lane was voted the winner of the best career change book of all time by Book Authority. I love that Bruce's books play off the career and moving and relocation industry that he has, and they're also a reflection of his spirit of generosity and encouragement. Now let's dive in and get to Bruce's questions. My friend Bruce Waller, number one Impact Makers podcast fan. I'd like to make sure that we have that distinction out there. (laughs) You've got some questions about speaking. I would love to hear them and to answer them. See if I will. First to see if I can answer them to your satisfaction. I, yes, I am your number one fan. I love your podcast, Jennifer. 
Well, actually, it might be between you and my brother. He's a doctor, <laughs> he's a doctor though. So, <laughs> Dr. Johnson. Oh, man. I, okay, I'm going to say he's probably number one. I'm top 10. There you go. Absolutely that. Yeah. No, no. I no, I appreciate you chatting with me about that because I, I do have some questions. I mean, as I mentioned, I published a book a couple of years ago and I've been asked to speak for the last couple of years. And, and now that I've done it for a couple of years, I'm trying to like get my hands around this speaking thing. And so the first question I had for you is what's your strategy for recommendation when it comes to finding and deciding on topics for speaking? That's that's a great question. And it's usually one of the first questions. The first question is often, how do I get speaking gigs? And then it's, well, but what do I speak about? And I, my answer to that is that, you know, I have to go from my own frame of reference. You know, I started early in my career saying I wanted to be a speaker, but then I kind of forgot about it. And ultimately, when I was in a position where I was teaching people what I knew at the time when I was an executive recruiter, I was teaching people how to use LinkedIn. I was telling them about my networking experience when I had been in career transition. I was helping senior executives kind of practice for interviewing and work through some of the maybe potholes in their career and how to talk about those things and talking about networking and relationship building. And so that just came natural. And ultimately, it turned into people then that I had helped asking me to come and either speak in organizations that they had been a part of, or once they became employed in companies, you know, maybe come in and speak to their leadership team or their HR recruiting team. So my answer is usually what do people ask you about and what do you typically teach people about when you're not thinking about I'm speaking? So, I mean, that's great. I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm in corporate relocation. Yeah. And many times when, you know, my audience, HR professionals are typically owning or are part of that relocation process, but it seems like relocation is a very small part of what they do every day. And one of the things that I learned when I took my PhD and then later Sherm CP is that that's so important for HR professionals and everyone really is to know the business. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to like be trying to speak around topics that will not only just be relocation, but really the business in general. And so of course, I, I asked this question because my passion is leadership. Right. And but it just seems like it's a very populated topic. And so, you know, many times I'll be writing down, okay, well, this sounds like this is a hot topic. So I might speak on this. And then next thing you know, I have 10 or 15 different things I'm trying to just really decide on, you know, what what topics I should work on. And if it's better to just, you know, build a topic at a time or, or try to try to speak on many. Uh, I think, the yeah, the approach that you're going down, I think, is what most people who want to get into speaking do. What is the topic out there? And do I have something to say about that? Mm. I would suggest the reverse. What do you have to say? What are people asking you about? I mean, you are an executive and a leader in your company, so you probably do get questions about leadership and, you know, strategic thinking and, you know, how do we think about the overall business in terms of what we're doing? And my guess is you get questions around that. You know, can you tailor that to if you want to speak to human resources professionals? Certainly. But I'd start with what you have expertise in. What is it that people are asking you to speak about? I'll give you an example. When I, again, I was an executive recruiter, I finally figured out, hey, people are inviting me to come and speak about networking and using social media and HR and recruiting and using LinkedIn. And I can speak about these topics. And so I am, you know, so kind of like you, I was like, well, but that's, I said from the beginning, I don't want to be a social media speaker. But if you look back at my schedule of speaking events and before I started my business in 2010, so 2008, nine, when I was starting to speak, even probably through 2012, the vast majority of speaking engagements I had were around how to use social media and HR and recruiting. 
that was not a topic that I was particularly passionate about. And everybody, that was the time when everybody was like becoming a social media consultant and a social media manager and a this and that. And I wasn't an expert. I just knew how to use it for recruiting and employer branding and, and how to you know think of it as a communications tool. So I had some expertise. It was not a passion, but there was a demand in the market for it. So in other words, people saw me using it so they would reach out and say, we see you using Twitter or LinkedIn for recruiting. Can you come and teach us how? Now, if I had put my hat on of I want to be a speaker and I want to talk about leadership or strategic human resources, I could have said no to those opportunities. But instead, I started building a speaking resume. I started building a reputation as a speaker and talking about a topic that I could help people with and that I had expertise in. And after a few years of doing that, then I started saying, I want to talk more about leadership. I want to talk more about the future of work. So with organizers or event planners that I had already done the topics around social media recruiting, networking, personal branding, those kinds of things I was being asked to speak about early on, then I was able to pitch to them, I'd like to come to your event and talk about this or I have a new keynote about this. So to get them to notice me, as you said, for a crowded field like leadership, I first built the reputation of knowledgeable, credible on a topic that I had expertise in, even though that was not where my, you know, I turned down social media consulting opportunities because there were better people to do that than me. But I could speak about the niche of you know social media for personal branding or HR recruiting, and I did. And so people began to think about me as a speaker. Then I was able to start suggesting myself for some of the more popular topics. Does that make sense? I love it. Yeah, no, that does. Topic first. Yeah. Uh, so, so-, so think about what are the questions that people ask you the most? And a good way to do that is you probably get questions throughout the day that you just answer. But I started keeping a question log. So I keep a question log in Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And when I'm smart and I'm thinking about it, even if it's just a quick Mm -hmm. email question, I just log those questions. I have an email list where I ask people to kind of respond to me with what they're challenged with or what they're working on. I log those questions. And so when I'm looking Mm -hmm. for content or I'm thinking like, now I always try to come up with at least one new talk a year. I try to retire something and I try to bring something new. But I look at that and I say, what is it that people are asking me about? So that can be a blog post. I mean, that can be, you know, the LinkedIn live video. It can be a podcast. It can be a lot of things, but it can also be potentially a new keynote or a new topic when I look at, well, a lot of people are asking me, you know, that's why we're doing this recorded call for the podcast. A lot of people ask me the questions that you post me. So if that's something that people are asking of me, Should I create an online course? Should I create a workshop? Should I create, you know, a blog post, a book? You know, that can then just, I can start to think about how I can answer those questions more for the many instead of one-to-one. But people are already viewing me as an expert in the area where I'm getting multiple questions. I have someone that I follow who says, if I get actually Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work That You Love, he says, if he gets asked a question three times, he creates a product. Mm. So, so he keeps track of questions. And if somebody asks him a question three times, then clearly they're viewing, you know, that he's a person with expertise. And so he creates a product. I love that. I love the uh, question log. So I wrote down, I need to start a question log. Thank you. Yeah. So emails, messages, tweets. Yeah conversations at networking events try to just you know keep that top of mind and either just copy Mm. and paste the question in there and you know maybe go review it every so often and say what are the themes of what people are asking me so you're saying it takes time well yes yeah (laughs) well i mean yes and no i mean you can you can sit down today like i was at a uh, speaking conference a couple years ago where at the end they had some event planners, meeting planners on the stage for people in the audience to do a Q&A with. And somebody asked the question, what are the hot topics for speakers that bureaus are booking going into the next year? And the first person, the first speakers bureau person that spoke said, first I want to tell you is don't just create a talk on the hot topic. 
we're looking for people who have expertise in those topics. So it's back to it does take time to be seen Mm. as a credible expert, I think. It doesn't mean, again, you can't start writing about it today. You can't, and you do, you write about leadership today. You can't start talking about it and sharing about it and creating videos about it. All those things to build that expertise and the recognition of your expertise so that then people either invite you to speak about it or you can pitch yourself as a speaker for it. But I think it is the, it's the short Quick road is a short path because if you just start telling people, hey, I want to speak about this topic as my kind of first or, you know, early entry into speaking, they probably have people top of mind that are already speaking on those topics that they will want to book. Thank you. That's great. So, which leads to my second question, and this is the question, it it seems like it should be easy, but it can be hard. And that is, what is your process for creating a presentation when it comes to slides, video, deck? Just what, what does that process look like? Yeah, it's, I think it's for any answer like that. It's going to be, it depends for different people. But you ask me what I do. So I do it probably differently than a lot of people. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm 10 plus years into being a professional full-time speaker I'm trying to change my process or at least move in a direction because over the years I have done this. Well, this is a topic I'm being asked about. So let's think about, you know, what are the things, the answers that people are looking for? So how can I work that into presentation? My mind works weird, I guess, because I actually start with slides. I sit down with PowerPoint and I start thinking about, again, what is the topic? Let's go back to when I started using social media and HR and recruiting explaining to people why it's important. So that might mean gathering some data, showing some charts and graphs, some surveys, and then talking about what would be your first step, you know, creating profiles. How do you do that? Which profiles should you choose? Then what are some good examples to share with people of people that are using those profiles effectively for this purpose? And then maybe ending with an action step. You know, here's three action steps you can take, assuming you're just getting started. I've probably overwhelmed you with the long road. Here's some things to get started. So I start with the slides and I start thinking what visual would be. I don't know that I would recommend that people do that. I think it does help to sit down with maybe a piece of paper or if you use a computer to, to brainstorm, but whether that's mind mapping or just writing your notes free form without kind of thinking about structure. And it's almost like that question log. Just start writing down. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about speaking on a particular topic, what are the things that people typically ask? What are the things they should know that maybe they don't ask? What are some resources that you can direct them to? Are there some examples you can share? What are some data or surveys or information that you can share to give validity to what you're saying? So once you kind of get all that jumble down on a piece of paper, then you can organize your thoughts and either storyboard it out. And I have done this before where I've bought large note cards. So maybe three to five note cards, or even sometimes I just go get a bunch of you know, printer paper. And I start kind of writing out my thoughts and I lay them out on the floor to get them. Because I'm back to that. I need to see the visual structure. Me Mm -hmm. personally, I don't know that everybody needs that. So whether I'm using PowerPoint to create the presentation or I'm laying out, you know, three by five cards or white pieces of paper on the floor, the structure for me starts to come clear. And I think, you know, the how do I structure my talks also differs as to whether or not I'm thinking of this as more of a a breakout seminar type talk. So something that's maybe an hour in length, but it's not going to be on the main stage. There's a different structure for workshops where you're probably doing two hours plus with some topic. And then there's a different structure for keynotes for that kind of first one of the, the breakout session. I look at those as you're really there to teach something probably something Mm -hmm. that is either related to the overall theme in the conference or maybe supporting some of the keynotes. But again, let's use an HR conference, for example. There's hundreds of topics you can teach HR professionals about. So getting specific about what you're teaching, you know, 
how to really make your relocation process work for you or how to be ready when someone is ready to relocate. How can you save money? You know, what are some specific topics around your expertise that you can do that kind of what is the problem? What do they need to know to get started with either attacking the problem or solving the problem? What are some examples from yourself or your experience or other people that you can either tell a story or show examples of? And then what action steps, what should they do? Okay, now that you've kind of framed up the what is, you need to go, as Nancy Duarte says, to the what could be. So how do they now, what's their next step? I can tell you in any presentation, my experience is both from learning through feedback over the years and also what I want as a, a conference attendee or a session attendee, takeaways, whether it's three to five or just one strong takeaway. People want to know what they can write down, whether or not they actually go back to their office and then do it. I don't know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they really crave that here's your takeaway or here's your next step kind of thing because that's what they're there to get. So I think that's for the kind of seminar breakout type session. For a workshop, it could be the same as that or even the same as your keynote, but typically you are going to it's going to be more interactive. So if you have an hour plus with a group of people, what are we doing to bring in some interaction, whether that's do some work at your table and then you know, you'll bring people back or do some work at your table and then we're going to have somebody share, you know, two or three people share or it's discuss as a group and then share. So the more you get people involved, it becomes more of a workshop and maybe they leave that workshop with their action plan. You go through those five steps and you work through them in the workshop, whatever that might be. And then if you're talking keynote or general session, again, where maybe you've got everybody in the room and you're either trying to ramp them, you know, get them amped up for the conference or event, or you're trying to close it out and tie a bow on the event, those tend to be much more about stories and inspiration. So, you know, we, we don't want them to be fluff. I'm just going to inspire you and tell you, you can do it, but I'm probably going to be doing my talk around, again, maybe it's the theme of the event, if that's something related to human resources, but I'm trying to both pique your interest, trying to uh, maybe help you see what can be, and then also share some stories from my personal experience. So I think in a keynote type situation, it's very important to have a good opening story and a good closing story because you want the audience to engage right away and the story's going to do that. And then you want to leave them with something memorable that they take those takeaways back and it, and it is meaty for them. And then in the middle, you probably want to have three to probably no more than five points that you might have an anecdote to support, you know, so I'm telling a small story about why this point matters and it's much more, again, about you're really a storyteller, I think, at that keynote level. At the workshop or the breakout level, you're a teacher. That was a lot. What, yeah, what, you know what? <laughs> that was, but I, I honestly, I really hadn't thought about it, uh, breaking it out between the breakouts, the workshops, and the keynotes. Mm -hmm. and so that, that's, uh, that's great. So first of all, I needed to determine, you know, what do you actually attending to do are you are you there for a breakout are you there for a workshop or, or keynote and then uh, going from there so that's great one of my questions around that also is do you have a go-to for like finding images because it seems like i know the slides don't make the presentation you make the presentation but they certainly help they support it yeah uh, I, i've used unsplash uh before but I, I was just curious if you have any like go-to places for images or Unsplash has beautiful images. I sometimes find it hard to find something that they're just pretty pictures often. It's like you'll put yeah. in something like strategic and it'll be like <laughs> a picture of a mountain. And I'm like, well, that's a beautiful picture, but I don't really know. So if you've got time and you know how to search Unsplash, I think it's a great resource for free photos. I actually pay for a monthly subscription to Adobe Stock Photos, which I think is overkill because it's 30 something dollars a month. And even, you know, any stock photo site, just every time I start searching for photos, I get so disgusted because you put in something like, 
woman speaker and you're like, what? (laughs) The images you get back are like a wrestler. And (laughs) it's like, I don't even know what, what, who tagged this woman speaker. But that way I use that because, and that can be a real black hole for me going down the image search. So that's why I'm trying to move away from creating my decks and PowerPoint first, because that can take days and, and weeks because I'm searching for the right image when I have a point in mind. And so I'm trying to make sure that I get the points down and then either I can outsource now at my level to have somebody professional who can do that better than me, or I can take the time to search for images. So I use Adobe stock. I forget how many images I have a month, but I don't ever run over and it is, you know, good. You can license it, but I can maybe add some resources in the show notes. There are other sites out there and, and I do want to explore some other sites. There are other free sites out there. But we all need to know, and of course, I did it in the beginning, and I certainly see a lot of people that still do it, pulling images off of Google Images or whatever, those you could potentially get into hot water with that because those are copyrighted images. Even if it's a photo that I took and you find it on Google, it's copyrighted to me. So if they come after you, then it's not okay. So if you are trying to, or if you've made the decision to up your speaking game, then you need to pay for the images that you use or get them from a site where it's either Creative Commons. Flickr is still out there. I think it's called something new now, F-I-L-K-R. Is that how you spell Flickr? And I still go there sometimes, but you have to search on Creative Commons available for use because there are photos in Flickr that are also copyrighted. So that's something to just pay attention to. And I think if you think about it, if you think about some of the, you know, big time keynote speakers that you've seen, like maybe a Brene Brown or an Adam Grant or a Simon Mm -hmm. Sinek, think about the the images that they share if they use a, a slide deck at all. They're almost always light on images, also light on words, you know, at that level, it's really more, they're talking and they might have one or two sentences behind them on a screen. That's their own words, or they might share a statistic or something, but the images that they use, you can tell they are professional images. They're not Google images that they've copied and pasted onto a slide. So the more you want to up your game, you're going to have to either invest or find a good tool where you can use images with their permission for free. No, that's really good. Really good. Thank you. So obviously your background is in executive coaching, executive recruiting, but I recently saw you at LinkedIn Talent Connect. And of course that was for recruiting as well. I know you are very popular on the SHRM circuit for state conferences. And of course at, at National SHRM, uh, is that the only place you focus on speaking or... Are there other places that you look to for speaking opportunities as well? Yeah, I think that probably goes back to kind of where we started the conversation. That's where, you know, my background was almost 20 years in corporate human resources, which always involved recruiting. And I went into executive search. There I kind of became passionate about, you know, the the networking, personal branding angle. So when I was getting asked to speak, whether that was in companies or job search groups, et cetera, those were the people who were inviting me to speak. When I said, I kind of want to bring this up to the next level, I turned to, at the time when I was in executive search, ERE.net had one of the better conferences out there. And I was on, I was joking with someone last week. I was back in the day, this, so this was 2006, 7, 8, when I was um, heavy in executive search. And that was when ERE had an email listserv. So you could sign up for the listserv and if somebody asked a question, you would get an email. And then every time somebody answered it, you would get the email thread. Hmm. But that was back in the day and we were all like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. I'm getting 47 emails a day related to <laughs> this question. And so I started, I had looked for resources to kind of find community through executive search to learn more about search. And so I decided I wanted to go to ERE and... I paid my own way and to ERE a couple of times and then, you know, started saying, I also want to go to SHRM. And I got the opportunity to go to SHRM in 2009 because I was a writer at Fistful of Talent. And so I got a press pass to go there. So once I got to these kind of big HR recruiting conferences, I was like, oh, these are my people. 
you know? <laughs> so started building relationships, you know, or I already had some relationships with people who were in that world. Many of them, you know, maybe like yourself, now you're on, what is it, the Dallas HR board or also the Texas State? Yep. Uh, yep. Dallas HR and also Texas uh, Sherm State Council. Yeah. So, I mean, I would end up connecting with somebody like you and saying, hey, you know, I'd like to either attend or speak at your event. And so it really came down to I started building relationships with people who were coordinating those events because those were my people, but also because I was targeting the opportunities to speak. And so I did attend a lot of state conferences, HR conferences, SHRM, ERE on my own dime for a while. And then when I felt like I had built relationships or they had a call for speakers, I would start applying. And then, you know, as I maybe proved myself as a breakout session speaker for a year or two, I might, you know, then pitch myself for a keynote or, and at some point they started asking. So the reality is I started in the HR recruiting conference world because that's where my relationships were. And that's where my job was at the time, my, my expertise, my interest. Certainly over the years, I've expanded my interest now to, I'm really kind of, if you look at my podcast list, it's a lot of people who are online marketers in the sense, not, you know, like MLM type marketers, not that there's anything wrong with that, but the people who are teaching things around course creation or list building or, you know, how to entrepreneurial stuff. So that's kind of, you know, my, my, passion over the last few years? Have I spoken at any of those types of events? Yeah, a few over the years, but maybe again, it's time for me to kind of take a step back and say, I need to go back and do this similar strategy as I did in the beginning. If I want to speak at women's conferences or entrepreneurial type conferences, then I'm probably going to need to invest by starting to attend some of those events, really building relationships with people who either have those events you know, a couple of years ago, I was in a mastermind with my friend, Mike Kim, and he had his own conference called Influence and Impact. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to speak, you know, so that came through a relationship. So as I kind of now 10 plus years into my career, I'm saying, I still love HR and recruiting in that world and have really kind of moved more into speaking at kind of like the strategic level for that versus the you know, it's been a while since I've been a practitioner in both of those. So there are better people to talk about the how-tos, but I can certainly talk about the strategic level and the leadership level of those. But I also believe I have something to say to women leaders, to entrepreneurs. And that is something I will, as we go into 2020 and I start my planning, I have already been thinking about, you know, who are the people that I need to start really connecting with and building relationships? And are there some events that I can and should be paying my own way to attend to continue to, to build those relationships. So I was at in another mastermind this year with uh, Carrie Oberbrenner, who's been on my podcast in the past, and I have attended three years in a row now, his Igniting Souls Conference. That's for authors, coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs. And, you know, we, we had a chat over dinner at the after the last conference, and I said, you know, I will eventually pitch you, you know, to potentially speak at your conference, but I'm not ready yet, you know, so I'm not going to be, and I think we all should kind of check ourselves and say, do I have what Carrie's audience needs yet? And if I don't, I shouldn't pitch myself for it because I'm really asking him to allow me to develop my content versus... I have the content, I've written about it. Again, I've developed expertise. People see me as a credible expert in these areas. And so when I do pitch him to speak at his event, I can show him or he's already noticed the expertise that I'm already sharing. So it makes sense. I have what his audience needs. And that's where I think a lot of speakers maybe miss the boat is they think about the message I want to share versus the message that the audience needs. So different conferences have different audiences, but different audiences have different needs, wants, what they're looking for, the challenges they're struggling with. Does your message fit for that audience versus I'm just sending out speaking inquiries to anybody and everybody because I think I have a great talk on leadership? No, that that was a lot there. And I have one more question, but I have a couple of things I wanted to, to just point to. First of all, what I hear you saying is early on, just speak wherever you can. Whenever I published my book, 
I had a, you know, you talked about relationships. I had a VP of sales that reached out and said, hey, I'm not doing this because you're my friend, but I really enjoyed your book and I want you to kick off our sales leadership conference in San Antonio, Texas. And so he said, I want you to keynote it. I'm like, sure. And so that was a lot of fun, but that was through relationships. Uh, The majority of my speaking though has been because of my network. The network I've built through the HR community for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. So now I'm getting to a point where, okay, I've, I've been speaking a little bit more and now I need to like be a little bit more diverse. And what you had said at the end of the, your, your uh, comment there was really, and that was the importance of being self-aware. Like you said, you weren't ready for Carrie's to keynote that or speak uh, at that point. But that's all about self-awareness mm-hmm. and continuing to build on your speaking and, and being self-aware of where you fit and finding your lane, what works for you, right? Oh, look at that. Bringing it back for the plug for the book. Find your lane. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but what, I mean, that example, if you think about it, you have sales leadership experience. You have a passion in the relationships and networks in the, the HR community. You want to talk about leadership. So as you kind of think about it, what do I have that the HR audience needs if that's the where you want to target? I mean, there's definitely a lot of opportunities to speak about sales and sales leadership if that's a, a passion or even if you just want to use that to kind of build your speaking chops. But think about like, I know, I believe it's Chris Dunn or maybe even Tim Sackett. They, you know, those two kind of run together for me sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, has, a, has a talk around uh, for HR and it's in Chris's Nine Faces of HR book, how to think about, think like a VP of sales, you know, how to get HR people to think like a VP of sales. And so they kind of take, you know, the tenets of what, you know, identifying your target, understanding your prospect and, and equate that to what it means for the employee experience and, and hiring, uh, re- attracting and re- recruiting talent. So, so there's a way for you to both continue to develop uh, your existing expertise, your passion, and even think about the audience that you want to speak to and how can I package that in a way, again, that meets their needs, that answers the questions they have, that helps them solve problems and challenges. And and sales type thinking is a great way to kind of approach that, I think. So one of the things that I really appreciate you is how you share, share information. And uh, since I've been following you, you had put down a, it was a, it was a PDF on speaking tips. Mm -hmm. And so I downloaded that about a year ago and I was going through that. And one of the things that was for me that, that I felt like I needed to do was I needed to update my website. Yes. And so my question, <laughs> as I look at your website, as I look at some of the examples that you give in, that, in the speaking tips, which was absolutely an outstanding piece. Thank you for sharing that. Who updates your website? And your speaking dates and keeping it just fresh. How, how do you how do you make that happen? Who does update it and who should update it are two different things. <laughs> um, and, and I think like most people, thank you, first of all, for checking out my website and also downloading the 10 tips for building your brand and landing gigs, which we'll link to in the show notes for anybody else that hasn't gotten that. You know, I've, I started with just a, a WordPress blog back when I was Cincy Recruiter and it was called Cincy Recruiter's World. And then when I did start my business, it transitioned over to Unbridled Talent and there was a blog and a website that, that I kind of feebly posted on and figured out WordPress. And then a few years later, I updated to a, a paid theme on WordPress. I bought one of Michael Hyatt's themes called the Get Notice theme, which was much more related to speaking and, and consulting. So it was able to highlight more of the things that, you know, with the, with the website theme so that I didn't have to like custom create something. And then probably about three years, two years, three years ago now, I actually, in my mastermind group, paid a couple of my mastermind partners, a, a graphic designer and website designer to, it's a different theme now. It's a Genesis theme. So, you know, he kind of customized that 
But in terms of the content, any content that's added to it, I do that myself. Um, so I actually have a task in my task list at the beginning of every month to go through and update my speaking calendar. So mm-hmm. our schedule. So I have a speaking schedule, like where I'm speaking and where I have spoken on my website, which I think is a good promotional tool and also a good way for people to see where you're speaking and maybe even to find your website because they're Googling terms that are going to end up on that speaking schedule. And so once a month I go in and I move the old ones down and I put any new ones on there and keep that updated. And it's not uncommon when somebody does reach out to me through my contact form about speaking, they'll say, you know, our event is on this date and I looked at your schedule and it looks like you're available. You know, so people do check that and it's not, you know, cumbersome to, you know, it takes me probably 20 minutes once a month to kind of go through my kind of, I have a, I use a Google Doc to kind of keep track of things that I'm either are in process or that I have confirmed that are upcoming. And so I just kind of go down through that and I have a column on there that says added to website, you know, et cetera. So once I add it to my website, I, you know, put yes in that column and move on. So I just kind of keep a log and then I transfer the information from the log to the speaking schedule. I love that. I love the task list, just having it on your calendar being intentional and purposeful about going in and updating that each month. That's that's good. It's also a good way if you get to that task and you're like, I don't have anything new to add. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe time to add a task for some business development. <laughs> some relationship building, some uh, connecting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this, I mean, this has been great. This has been really, really good. It's given me some things to think about. I always like to ask this question. Though, what questions have I not asked? Is there anything that you can think of that, you know, you should also be thinking about this, Bruce. I I love that question. And I'm hearing it a lot more from people. And I'm like, yeah, that one throws me off guard because (laughs) (laughs) what question? I'm prepared to answer your question. (laughs) What questions should you ask? I think the things again, when it is the most popular question that I get asked is how do I get started speaking or how do I get more speaking gigs? And I get back to that. I think you are already doing the right things. You've asked a lot of the right questions around being intentional. You've already done speaking. You know how to do this, but now you want to maybe either level up or get more speaking gigs. So taking that step back and saying, not just that I want to speak everywhere, you know, that I don't know who said it. Maybe it was Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain who gets, you know, tagged with everything. But it's like, if you speak to everyone, <laughs> you speak to no one. Um, so who are your people? <laughs> Who's the audience that you are targeting, again, you'll be happy to do speaking other and with other areas of expertise, but where do you really want to speak? Because you have a message that they need. And then begin to look at that and say, do I have the relationships there? Am I connecting with people in that industry? Am I going to or supporting those events? If I am, then what's the first step, which is probably how do I get to be maybe even a volunteer, which you're already doing. How do I get to be considered for a breakout session where maybe I have to pay my own expenses or my own way? Then how do I leverage that maybe into the next level? Or how do I pitch to them a panel discussion or something where I just become in their orbit? I'm helping them with the content that they need for their audience. So that's you know not so much a question to ask. I think it's more of an action to take. And I think it's important to say, is my, do I have a talk or talks that is focused on, again, what the audience needs versus the story I want to tell? A lot of the people, again, that do reach out to me and say, how do I get more speaking gigs? I'm a speaker. I have a message. When we talk, a lot of what I hear is I have had this experience and I want to share it. Or this happened to me and I want to tell everybody about it. Or you know, I've worked 20 years in the field and I think I'm ready to speak. All of that is you focused. In other words, I want to share with you me versus thinking, uh, you know, as I say, teach what you know becomes what is the audience needs and how can I fulfill that need? Even somebody who has a personal story, how does your personal story fit with what the audience needs? How are, what are you teaching them? What are you, what are they going to leave with versus, well, that was just a great story. 
or wow, he or she's really smart and has a lot of great experience. What are we enabling them to do through the messages that we share? So I think asking yourself the questions of, is the content that I have today or that I'm going to create really audience focused? How can my experience and my stories add color to that, make it more interesting, make it stick, but that it's really focused on the audience and do I have the relationships there to begin to start to, to speak in those areas? Well, I, think I, I think oh. I successfully evaded your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's just trying, I think a lot of times we just need somebody to talk to and just make sure that we're like in alignment and just hear different perspectives. And I think that when we do that, it allows us to go back and say, okay, do I need to look at it from a different viewpoint? Am I in alignment with who I am and who I want to be and where I want to go? And so this, this has been helpful from that, that, that viewpoint. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I think you're already, you've written a book. So <laughs> that is an amazing accomplishment. Anybody who has written a book uh, has all of my respect. I bow to that because I know it's not just a labor of love. It's actually a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people who are speakers, a book gets you a leg up because right or wrong, of course, as someone who has not yet written a book, I would say it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who has written a book, you'd be, absolutely, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Event planners will often choose someone who is an author and has a book over a more experienced speaker, even with maybe a better message, because they are looking again back to, I've got, you know, whether it's 100 people coming to my conference or 2,000 people coming to my conference, those people demand a lot. You know, they pay their $1,000 or whatever. And so they want something for their money, even if their company's paying for it. So they go to sessions and, you know, they might like some of them, they might like not. But if they get giveaways, that's why every conference gives away a bag with, you know, pens and pencils and stuff in it. If they can give away your book, as part of, you know, your speech, or if you can sell your book in the bookstore, that is a value add for the audience. And so mm-hmm. they'll choose a speaker with a book. And you might even negotiate that everybody at the event gets a copy of your book in your fee. Or again, if it's a Sherm conference or event that your book is available in the bookstore, because people, as you know, they buy the books and they want to stand in line and get you to sign it, whether they're ever going to read it or not, because they just want to take something physical away from the event. So the fact that you've written a book is a really big calling card for you as a speaker. I wouldn't lead with that. Obviously, hey, I've written a book. I should speak at your event. You know, I, I want to do all the things that we've talked about. I'm ready to speak at your event. And for your attendees, I would also be able to make my book available. So again, it's not about you, your book. Here's my book. Get my book, my Mm -hmm. book. It's my book is going to be a good thing for you to have available for attendees and or is going to help you make more money or whatever that might be. So, So the fact that you've already got that, I think is a big plus. And so making sure that you're thinking about how you can leverage that because event planners, I I actually more than once have had someone reach out to me about keynoting their event. We've confirmed the dates available. We've had the discussion. I've shared my fee. I'm headed down the path to sending the agreement to get it signed. And their question is, what's the title of your book? And when I say I haven't written a book, they've said, oh, unfortunately, we can't book you then for a keynote because we want all of our keynotes to have books. And then I go back, you know, because... That's not what I want to hear. Uh, <laughs> obviously, and it's a, you know I need to write a book. I want to write a book. All those things, but then I'll go back maybe a month or two later and see who they actually booked for their keynotes. And more again, more than once, I'm like, I have never heard of this person. I've never heard of this book. And maybe they were wonderful, <laughs> but I think sometimes, right or wrong, an event planner will be like, again, we want all of our keynotes to have a book. That's just the rule. And so even though Jennifer may be great, she can't be a keynote because she doesn't have a book. You'd already have a foot in the door with that. So that's a, a big win for you. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and after this uh, talking to you, it makes me now, I want to go back to the speaking tips. I want to go back and look at that. Because I remember the first time when I did look at that, I said, I want to just take one thing and apply this. And at the time, it was updating the website. Mm-hmm. So maybe something else I need to look at as well. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I know you have some, at least one Disrupt HR video out there and that may be on yep. your website. Um, yep. But video is going to be you know, obviously the more speaking you do, the more higher you're charging for fees, the more they want to see you in action before they book you because number one, they're probably, they want to see you in action. Number two, they are probably going to share two or three options with the committee. And Mm -hmm. so how you show up on video is going to be important so that that's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Disrupt HR videos, I think are great. Uh, If it's, if it, you know, showcases you well, and it's similar to the type of topic or audience that you want. But as you do more of this, you're probably going to need to think in terms of more of a, you know, they call it like a speaking reel or a demo video and, and what people want to see in those changes over time. But ultimately, they want to see maybe more than just one talk. Um, They want to see you speaking to an audience that you're getting some crowd reaction shots that either people are laughing or they're really engaged or, you know, they want to get a feel for what the experience of you as a speaker is like, the more they're going to pay you and the further in advance they're going to book you. <laughs> oh yeah. That's good information. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, did we get all your questions answered today? You did. Thank you so much. This has been great. Just spending time with, like I said, it's just talking to somebody. I mean, I've seen you speak several times. I've seen you pack the house mm-hmm. at National Sherm, which says a lot, I mean, to me personally, and, and you do it with just grace. I mean, you're just so good at it. And so I, I appreciate just, the you sh- again, just sharing and helping others along the way. And that's just, that's your DNA. Well, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate you reaching out to me and giving me the opportunity to record this conversation and share it with not only uh, others who might have a question, your clock is like playing us off here. <laughs> There's a clock in the background. <laughs> um, On the hour. <laughs> that's right. But it is always helpful for me to talk through these things. And too often I have these conversations with people and I'm like, I should have recorded that because I said some good stuff. So I don't know if I said some good stuff this time, but hopefully it's helpful. And I'm always here to, to help you in any way that I can. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with my friend Bruce Waller and had some takeaways that maybe you can implement in your own career, whether that, again, is developing some speaking topics to share on a stage in front of an audience or just to help you with communicating your ideas at work and in life. I think you can find some ways to do that from the things that Bruce and I discussed. I hope you'll also be sure to check out the show notes where you can learn more about Bruce, find links to his books and to his website, brucewaller.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share somewhere on social media land, whether that's Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook with the hashtag ImpactMakersPodcast so I can find you and see what you're sharing. I'd love to hear your takeaways from this episode and connect with those of you who are listening and enjoying the content that we're sharing here. And I'll see you next week on the Impact Makers podcast. Have a great day. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.